welcome aboard the Little Red Bandwagon, your twice-weekly podcast celebrating the radio show turned podcast Too Beautiful to Live. In Pawtucket, Rhode Island, I'm Bobby Pape, and joining me for your Monday recap edition of the show in Dallas, Texas, getting ready for a football party I know she's extremely excited about, Meredith All the Way Mayhem. Good morning, Meredith. Good morning, Bobby. And in New Brighton, Minnesota, I don't believe she's getting ready for a football party, uh, but probably looking into ways to fill her still newfound freedom from her second job in New Brighton, Minnesota, and Lundholm. Good morning, Anne. Good morning, Bobby. I'm going to bake today. I'm not shocked, but I am delighted. <laughs> Anne, what are you going to what are you going to bake today? September is bunt cakes. I decided I had to get into a subcategory of cake. And it's going to be a triple berry summer bunt cake. So I have mm. some blackberries, some blueberries, some raspberries in the fridge. Triple berry bunt cake. Bunt cake. Yep. Um, so every month you've been coming up with a theme and then baking on that theme. It's like the This American mm -hmm. Life of baking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what brought you to bunt cake? I, I, this wasn't even on the run sheet, but now I'm just curious. I don't know. I like making them. They're easy. Okay. They're cool looking. Okay. And there's there's no construction to a bunt cake. If you make a layer cake, you have to do the layers and spread the frosting and, you know, get all compulsive about everything being neat and tidy if you're if you're me, but when you make a bunt cake, you just put it on a plate and dump some icing on it. Right. Uh and is it your your job one coworkers that primarily benefit from all this baking? Yes. And are they excited about? Do they know it's Bunt Cake Month? Um, I think so. Okay. <laughs> I don't know how close attention they um pay. I feel like you should really get it on their Outlook calendars. <laughs> <laughs> on the rare occasion that I am off of work on Monday, I understand that people come wandering over to the cake <laughs> place at about nine thirty or ten, and they're like, "What? Where? Where's the cake?" <laughs> Do you realize there's an entire ecosystem of people uh, relying on you for lunch on Mondays? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I one of these days, this has all been my, my long con plan. So I'll just poison the cake, kill all my coworkers, <laughs> and take over. That's Do we need to edit on that tape out? now? <laughs> nah. <laughs> Anne Lundholm, the new president of the University of Minnesota. <laughs> It's like that uh, – this is, I think, the second time recently I've referenced that new Kiefer Sutherland show, Designated yes. Survivor. And you're the designated survivor of the university. <laughs> so you're like 15,000th in the level of succession. <laughs> uh, by hook or by crook, I'm going to get there. <laughs> uh, and Meredith, uh, you are getting ready for a football party, which is back in vogue for you at home now that football season's underway. I guess so. Uh, we have a friend who is from Grand Rapids. He's actually a Green Bay fan because his father is from Green Bay. And it's his birthday on Monday. So we're doing a big in, a big football party for him today. And surprise, inviting a bunch of people over. <laughs> Aw, it's, it's like um, when you were a kid and you had themed birthday parties. He's getting yeah. a football party. His cake is green and yellow. It's all <laughs> like cake talk at the top of the show. <laughs> I'll take a picture of it. It'll, it's pretty. Excellent. Uh, I don't have a cake. I don't have a cake story. <laughs> but as discussed in our group chats this week, I'm much more of a pie man anyway. So, And uh, when it's pie month again, let me know and I'll come out and visit. 
All right. Uh, we're going to talk about a little more LRB business beyond Cake Talk, followed by your week in review, some housekeeping, and how you can get involved with our show. But first, LRB business, and all is calm on the Jam Tracker front, correct? Yes, indeed. We are uh, sitting pretty at six jams per person. <laughs> so we've got a good reserve for the time being. And that's okay. I'm okay with that. But if any of you feel that you want to bump up uh, our jam capacity, you can do that at littleredbandwagon.com. And if it's your first episode, you have no idea what the hell we're talking about. These are (laughs) donations to the show that make it possible. So thank you. Um, Meredith, you said right before we started rolling that you haven't talked about Eddie in a while. And you've got the sprinkler thing. And I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, I didn't tell you about this. Okay. So, um... Dallas is in a drought still, technically, as far as water restrictions go. So we're allowed to water our plants on Thursdays and Sundays. So on Thursday morning, uh, we woke up and one of our we have an in-ground sprinkler system, and one of them was just a, gu- a gushing geyser of water on the side of the house. So it was the, the nozzle had busted. So we called our sprinkler guys, who we like, and they we, they always send the same person out. He's really really nice. And he hadn't met Eddie yet. He's really he really loves dogs. So uh, Molly's usually out there with us when he's working in the backyard. And I brought Eddie out this time on a leash, and to meet him. And and because Eddie loves sprinklers so much, on Sunday mornings and Thursday mornings, he we let him out to go to the bathroom, and he's out there for two hours just jumping around and biting the water <laughs> and having a great time. He loves it. So he'll just stare at them too. He's just enthralled. And so he was doing this. We're turning the the sections on and off so they can figure out where. The the problem was and fix it and eddie is just like so thrilled having a great time jumping around and the tech was so uh tickled by this that he fixed the nozzle for free <laughs> he was like normally i charge you whatever but i'm not going to look at that that's so cute <laughs> like, great thanks eddie you're starting you're starting to pay yeah. back all, all the money and work we've put into you <laughs> Uh, well, congratulations. If you can find um, an electrician that loves puppies and a carpenter <laughs> who loves puppies, you'll be all set. Yep. With that, I don't have any fun this week, uh, so we'll jump into our week in review. And why don't you get started? Monday, episode 2205, No, Yes, And. At the top of the show, um, we find out that uh, Andrew tweeted something that Stu retweeted, and it got from there retweeted 200 plus times. And they talk about this for quite a while because I'm sure that Luke is going insane with jealousy over this. <laughs> <laughs> and that leads them into talk about uh, football tweets and the football fandom in the Twitter sphere and how they say it's a heightened and contentious place. Um, I don't know. I don't tweet, nor do I pay attention to football, so I guess I can only take them at their word. Well, it's a lot of um, fandom and flaming. So people love their team and hate everybody else on earth. And I think football fans in general think that every professional football commentator is a blowhard, uh, (laughs) which is probably true. And so you get these guys on Twitter and they just get barraged with hate because if you insult somebody's team, they're going to flip out. Um, you know, the only people you like are the people from your local broadcast, usually. Um, and I just pulled up Andrew's tweet. It doesn't surprise me that from the phrasing of what he wrote, now joining us from the fiery depths of hell at Pro Football Talks, Mike Florio, 
if you didn't see the picture, you would just assume that Mike Florio was in hell. <laughs> then you see the picture and realize he looks like he's in a desert hell. It actually is an awful backdrop. <laughs> but yeah, Andrew really tapped into a wave of um, football fandom and hate. Uh, uh, thanks to Stubot, I'm sure. So it just sounds like a, a complete lack of perspective on the part of football fans uh, yeah. on, on the Twitter. Well, this is just like if you tweeted enough about Trump or Hillary – you could probably catch the same kind of wave, you know, different people, but the same sort of uh, the same sensibilities of hate. <laughs> yes. Oh, this is totally apropos of nothing but Trump, but I finally decided how I feel about him. It may be surprising that it's taken me this long, but I've decided that Trump is a tumor in a suit. And that's it. <laughs> <laughs> and I will tweet that. If I had a Twitter account. Some, that's some political hot talk. Yeah, it really real, is, isn't it? Real hot take from Anne. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what brought you to this realization, finally? I don't know. Okay. I, I, I don't know. He's disgusting. But I just thought of the words. Is it Jezebel that has spent probably countless hours thinking up terrible names for him? <laughs> I'm yeah. sure. You know, they'll call him like a, a, a diseased cow stomach full of cheese whiz or something. You know, they'll come up with these really, yeah, there's a there's a list here. Um, uh, orange ass hat, four-time bankruptcy filer and seething hernia mass, bone-in ham, sun-dried tomato, <laughs> adult blobfish, find, deflated football. I don't find bone-in ham to be an insult, but... <laughs> Talking comb over. <laughs> Cheeto dusted bloviator. There's a long list. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw. I took a picture at Walmart yesterday. I was at Walmart for reasons beyond my understanding. I, I went to return something that Sam bought that was broken. Surprise. Um, and I had to pick up a couple of other general householdy things that they're good about. And as I was walking to the registers, there was a, like a center aisle display of just a mound of Mike and Ike boxes. And on top of it was a Trump mask, a Halloween, like, full body, uh, full head pullover mask of Donald Trump. Of course, they don't use his name, probably for legal reasons, so the mask was just labeled right. the candidate. <laughs> but it was laying on its side, uh, plopped down on the Mike and Ikes. Like, at the last minute, walking to the registers, somebody decided, no, I don't want this. And it was just... Good decision. Exactly. Thrown <laughs> sideways on top of this pile. And I just, I put it on Facebook and Twitter, and I just wrote... Just a reminder, it's not too late to change your mind. <laughs> it really struck me as a real moment of Trump understanding. So I guess we both had a moment this week. Oh, he, really, he really is a decomposing pumpkin pie inhabited by vicious <laughs> albino squirrels. <laughs> we are not a political podcast, so we should keep going. <laughs> yes, I'm sorry. I took us down that road. Um... And, oh, then the last thing about this football tweeting is that Andrew says nobody does the internet better than Stu, and that's a pretty good statement. I think that's pretty true. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, they get somehow I forget into the idea of personal pronouns because Luke wants to share how uh, he's finding that some people uh, at this point would prefer to be addressed as it rather than he or she. Um. 
which I guess we'll come back to this later. We find out is problematic. Uh, I'll just say at this point that uh, what he says is that he respects this position, but he thinks for himself it's going to be a, a difficult transition. He knows that he will go along with it and call people what they would like to be called and refer to them in the way that they prefer to be referred to, but it's going to be a, a hard adjustment for him to make, which I think is a fair statement. I think it would be a hard adjustment for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I think generally call people what they want to be called. Um, I've yet to meet anyone who would prefer the gender neutral pronoun it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've definitely met some days we could wait for this conversation, but um, right. It, this actually, it made me think of uh, one of uh, – Luke's growth markers, I guess I'll call it back in the in the radio days, early in the radio days, when they had this conversation about the word retard, because he was saying retarded a lot, like, well, that's retarded. And we thought that was retarded. And then he had um, listeners write emails and say, could you please not use that? Because that's a pejorative, hurtful term. And he was really resistant to that. And he was like, well, I'm not actually talking about handicapped people when I use it. It's a different context. But in the end, he decided and he said uh, in a very nice way that if it hurt one person and it's not something that uh, impacted his life, then he would respect that. And um, that continues to this day. I, I like that his we got to see his thinking evolve on that it just continued with this. Mm-hmm. I think he said the same thing about gay and similar right. mm-hmm. words that that are associated with with gay people and uh, has come to the same realization although we've also caught him in low moments where he has used words from that lexicon unfortunately mm-hmm. yeah well it it's a process i have to say moving to boston one of the things that i noticed um uh i worked at a a group home for developmentally delayed people when I was in high school. So um, not using the word retard came, mm-hmm. came in pretty early for me and it's always mm-hmm. kind of bothered me a little bit. Um, it is uh, up there with wicked <laughs> <laughs> as one of those words that you hear on a thick Southie accent from people sometimes in Boston and, and they just, it's amazing how often people use the word retarded. I guess retarded would be closer right, to the way right. you hear it here. And I just, I am just amazed. And I just learned it. you know, I realized the person using it doesn't mean it the way that I'm hearing it. And, oh, but yeah. I, I've, I noticed the same thing when I moved to Texas. I've, I've heard so many people use that word and I cannot believe, <laughs> I cannot believe it. I've called them out a few times. It depends on the person and the situation, but I that sounds so wrong to my ears. Yeah. I can't mm-hmm. handle it. My boss has a, a daughter with Down syndrome, and somebody said it once, like casually in a meeting, and she just like went stony. Oh. And everyone who knew about her daughter was like, "Shut up, you idiot!" Yeah, I. It's still. I'm just surprised it hasn't died out. I am okay with people word. outing themselves. As not particularly bright or thoughtful. And I guess that's the one advantage of people who still use the word retard. Mm -hmm. That's true. It's a real salmon-colored flag. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Moving on to the endless well of conversation that is high school bud. 
Speaking <laughs> of tweeters, um, he's at it again, and this time he's tweeting what seems to Luke to be insider info. Um, I have no idea what Menchies is, but we've got the Menchies Smilage Rewards Plan mentioned. I don't know. Some sort of business. And there's one near Luke. So Andrew thinks that this may be a fight club situation. And that high Isn't school bud frozen is frozen yogurt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> high school bud is just uh, Luke's alternate personality, I guess. Yeah, it's his Tyler Durden. <laughs> yeah, my notes say that Luke isn't doing much to dispel the myth that he is high school bud. <laughs> Uh, I, I want to argue that I don't think it's high school. I don't think he is high school bud because I think that high school bud has better comedic timing than he does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think what was said on the show, what he said, if he was that funny, he would not hide it under an alias. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and the, t- the, the tweet from high school bud, who, by the way, I think in line with people telling us how they want to be identified, I think he is the acceptable pronoun because he has a male masculine twitter handle and a picture of a balding guy with transitions lenses right uh <laughs> the tweet that spawned this was thanks guys just sent you both some menchies smileage points via paypal uh in response to a tbtl tweet um mm. and most recently he tweets match.com said i'd get more hits if quote the ability to rollerblade backwards wasn't the only trade i was looking for in a gale <laughs> <laughs> he is pretty funny um, yeah. we have menchies around here i didn't know until i just looked but apparently the closest one is at patriot place home of the new england patriots um so it doesn't officially need to be regional although it is convenient that there's one right near luke's house mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or what did they say the tweet is coming from inside the house yeah now if it was gary that would be a really good spoof That would be the best thing ever. Um, I forget all the other people that have wondered who it might be, but there is mention of Chris Cashman later in this week of episodes. Wasn't he one of the Mm -hmm. names that people had thrown out? That's who Christy thinks it is. Right. So, you know, he's on the brain. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. I'm sure we'll come back to high school, bud, at a later date. Yeah. Um, Luke... Made a new friend. He met the actor Misha Collins from Supernatural, who lives in Bellingham, and they got coffee together the other day, to which I say, whoa, because it's Misha Collins. Um, I don't know if either of you have watched Supernatural. I'm not a huge fan, but I watched like the first six or seven seasons, and that's kind of a big name. I mean, it's not Brad Pitt, but... Luke's got a pretty. I did not know who he was. Yeah, and he's a very nice looking fella, as as Luke said. Yeah, he is. Um, and this is all in the context of making friends when you're an adult, because they talk about how weird that is, doing this sort of um, friend dating. I was calling it when it's not somebody who you have a, a mutual friend or someone that you meet through work or something like that. Yeah. Uh, I had to join the cast of a budding podcast to make any friends. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, uh, oh, yeah, all joking aside, we moved to Boston and I have Sam's friends out here, but I work basically alone, uh, except for occasionally in rehearsals with 
you know, man children and, and, and adult children musicians and old donors. So like almost all the friends I have now I've met through TBTL and this and you guys. And mm-hmm. um, I don't go out to hang out at bars to pick up friends. No, yeah. <clears throat> excuse me. I moved to Texas and work from home. So, you know, that doesn't, <laughs> <laughs> doesn't lend itself to making friends. So Duff's work friends, um, have been de facto my friends. And then that's kind of branched out a little bit. Like we crashed a wedding and made a f- couple friend that way, but that's pretty rare. So everyone else I've met new since then has been TBTL people. We've gone on a couple of friend dates with, um, trivia people like i've made friends with a couple of like service industry people like i'm friends with a couple of bartenders now because i see them every mm-hmm. week and my trivia colleagues the ones that i see um but uh, sam and i actually went on a really awkward uh date with a, a husband and wife trivia team and it was weird because we don't really do the coupley date thing this was months and months ago and they have since had a baby so they've fallen off the social radar Mm. Um, perfectly nice, but it was a lot of weird get to know you. I th- oh, right. We went to a minor league hockey game and it was just like a date in high school. Like we pick something where you don't have to talk too much <laughs> and you can kind of choose how much you interact. There's always excuses to get up and walk away for a few minutes. Right. <laughs> um, and it felt oh, perfectly nice, but yeah, it's just so weird to like get someone's number. Yeah. Mm-hmm. God. Yeah. And I have. I have lots of friends at work, but I, when you leave work, you go home and you do your separate things and they're all, you know, in different stages of their lives than I am married or kids or whatever. And I, it doesn't seem to translate to social things that well for me. Yeah. Um, I, I just, uh, I'm just so glad I'm married. Cause if I'd had to move to a new city and both meet people and find a potential partner, I don't know what the hell I would, I would be alone in an apartment right now. Really yeah, I would be a hermit for sure. <laughs> Even more than I already uh, am. And to bring the conversation back, I, I am not familiar with Supernatural. Um, and I see you say you're a casual fan only having watched the first six or seven seasons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it, they're on like season 12. Right. And I, I watched them all on Netflix. Okay. You know how you get into a Netflix thing. And then when I was caught up, I... I didn't start watching it on TV. Like I wasn't moved to follow it into the present time. Okay. Mm. Um, I will say that this Misha Collins though, he is ruggedly handsome and his, mm-hmm. his yeah. blue eyes are piercing me right now from Google. Image search. <laughs> <laughs> I would definitely do what I could to be his friend. Yep. Well, because... they sort of met through work, right? Cause it's for live wire, huh? That's right. true. That's true. So they have something to talk about. Right. <laughs> and now that, they live in Bellingham together. I'm sure they have a lot of small town hijinks to discuss. <laughs> well, I think that Luke is definitely friend dating up. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> on to top story for the day. Uh, Angela Lansbury is not going to be on Game of Thrones. And I don't think any of us except Andrew are actually surprised by this. <laughs> Luke said he was suspicious of this story all along, but Andrew believed it because he thought it was pretty modest. Like, who would bother to make something like that up? And they find out that it originated in on a German website called Build. Uh, and then they start talking about the laundering of entertainment news stories. And during this, Luke 
attempts to use the word arbitrage with having absolutely <laughs> no idea <laughs> what it means. Could he have been talking about the 2012 Richard Gere thriller drama directed <laughs> by Nick Jarecki? Possible? <laughs> I usually don't attempt to to use a word unless I'm pretty sure that I know what it means. But yeah, it's, it's like a financial just... term, isn't mm-hmm. it? Yes. <laughs> totally a wild a guess on that. I found that very entertaining. Um, I have I don't I have some suspicion here. Um, there is a recent Planet Money episode. I think it was actually a rerun from 2014 that they put back in their feed recently about textbook prices, and they talk about arbitrage in the world of textbook prices. And so, if Luke heard that piece recently, either on NPR because mm. they plug those sometimes into the li- you know into the mm. on air. Or if he caught the rerun of that podcast recently, he may have just had arbitrage on the brain. That's understandable. And it's a cool word. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, do we need to talk about the laundering of entertainment stories? No. 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 I didn't think so. It happens. Nobody is too focused on getting the facts right at Access Hollywood or I, I'm sure they were whatever. just hoping that Angela Lansbury is the new Betty White. So anything you put a title on with her, the internet will eat up. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they really accomplished that. Right. Nope. Uh, in emails, we get a real cute one. Sam has been obsessed with the Coffee Lover song, and he's been singing it to his two-year-old son Cal. So he recorded it and sent it in. They played it. That was very, very cute, mm-hmm. which sends the guys on a tangent about songs that you associate with your parents singing to you in childhood. Um, Luke brings up Arms Up for Jesus <laughs> and uh, Lukel's Magookles for Sale, which he's <laughs> talked about many times. And we know it isn't really a song so much as just a line, but it's. That's very sweet. And Andrew talks about his dad would sing Love Potion Number 9. And at the end of the episode, they play Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head, which is another one his dad used to sing, which is very sweet. Um, do you guys have these kinds of memories? Not really. I I, I remember sing- my mom singing the cleanup song, which was her attempt at making us picking our shit up fun. <laughs> yes. Uh, I did not grow up in a singy household. So I sang and I was in choir singing from like age four, but my mother never did. And so I don't have any of these childhood parenting, good parenting examples songs. Um, although I'd like to know for Andrews and they discussed this love potion number nine, extremely rapey. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that is a song about roofies. So maybe not the greatest parenting song. <laughs> of course, this is coming from uh, the same man who gave Andrew a bag of M&Ms with a note saying that one of them hit the floor. <laughs> Don't eat that amazing. one. <laughs> well, I was trying to think of um, what songs my mom might have sung because my dad, no, absolutely not. He would never sing uh, and the only thing that I could think of was that my mom used to sing old TV theme songs from back in her childhood. She watched a lot of TV. And so she would sing like the Mr. Ed theme song and the Dennis the Menace theme song all the time. So that's not quite the same thing. But the other thing that she did that I remember really clearly is not so much a song, but when she would come to wake us up, 
in the morning, which didn't happen that often, but if she did, if we were sleeping in or something, she would come in and she would push down on the end of the bed, like up and down and up and down, like jiggle it. And then she'd go, wakey, wakey, it's wakey, wakey time. (laughs) And my brothers and I agree that there is nothing that makes you want to murder more than hearing mom say that. So that's not exactly a fond memory, but it's a memory. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm probably going to have nightmares about that now. So thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. In uh, more emails, uh, Sarah has an analysis of last week's discussion of grocery store lines and how they were talking about the whole go left, not right. And she talks about taking the action that seems unnatural to you, which um, follows also in public restrooms is to go into. I use that that logic too. Yeah. The -hmm. tip that I heard, I think I read somewhere once is that you should always go into the first stall because people tend to bypass that one and go a few stalls down. Yes. So that one tends to be cleaner. Although I wonder if now everybody knows that and now the first stall is disgusting. (laughs) (laughs) So I, I, I go back and forth. A lot in public restrooms. Yeah. If there's no one else in the restroom or it's not super awkward with other people in the restroom, I'll definitely just take a peek at each situation and evaluate accordingly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But you're right. When there are other people in there, that does complicate the calculations. Yeah. I mean, at that point, um, I'm looking for cleanliness and equidistance, getting as far away from everyone as possible without getting too close to anyone else. So um, I just go with the first mathematical choice. And then if it's so bad, then I'll just back out. And I think everyone then knows (laughs) it's a community service to let everyone know not to go near that stall. Right. Um, right, right. Men play the same game with urinals, by the way, because they'll all be lined up right next to one another, often with no kind of divider between them. And so it is always this game of, putting enough space between you and the next guy, unless it's like a football game and then you're screwed and everybody's just lined up waiting. But um, there's probably an algorithm that you could chart for which one you go to in every different situation. But I think it's just ingrained in men. I think we all just know. And if somebody settles up right next to you unnecessarily, you just get out of there. (laughs) What about, I I don't know if I've seen this in person or just heard about it when it's a big trough. Sure. What do you do then? You, uh, well, usually you're only in those kind of places when you're drunk. Uh-huh. So you don't really care. Okay. But, uh, yeah, you just get as far away from everyone as you can do your business and, and get out. Just get out. Okay. But, yeah, no, that happens actually. Football stadiums, older stadiums. Um, I've run into that as sinks in ladies' rooms. Sometimes the sinks are like yeah. that in particularly awful places. Yeah. Uh, and you just sort of uh, do it. If you're in a real classy place, It'll just be a whole lot of ice in the bottom of it. And so you're right. all communally melting the ice. Ugh. Yeah. Wait, what's the point of that? Uh, probably so it doesn't reek. Yeah. Smell and uh, probably some splashback limiting, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Welcome to men's life. Actually, when I was a kid, um, the Webster Fireman's Carnival had an auxiliary men's room every year that was basically just a big metal shed with literally... Um, gutter mounted to the inside wall on each side, slanted down toward one end where it was all draining into I don't know what. Uh, and you're basically just pissing into a wall with a gutter on it. Mm-hmm. Oh, fun. Um, 
And then at the end of the night, someone just comes in with a hose and hoses down the gutter. And I assume, I mean, I remember not being tall enough to hit the gutter and everyone, and everyone, because I'm talking little kid and it was just like, just piss on the wall. Nobody cared. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm so sorry, everyone. (laughs) Hey, these are important things to know. (laughs) Uh, I think we probably won't do uh, a detailed analysis of the no-point conversion. <laughs> Am I right? That's fine. But, I didn't listen. But we find out that K-Dude and Lil Hoagie are doing some brand readjustment. And that <laughs> the song has been pulled off of YouTube, so it's only people that have cached copies can listen to it now. Uh, we find out that the Browns are brownsing it up. And then there is some a very specific... Seahawks talk about you know what we should do with what player when that I am definitely not equipped to talk about but the only things that I wanted to highlight are it's kind of bothers me not to be a punch bull turd but it does bother me that Luke says we when he talks about the Seahawks well we do this and we do that and this is our strategy and I'm like you do realize you're not on the team right Well, I mean, it's kind of we were talking about the other week at the live show about over identification with television characters and you're not Aragorn. And this is a sort of an over investment in sport. But he's in my opinion, the 12th man. And right. Right. I think a lot of sports fans feel like they are. part. That's true. That's true. I respect people's right to love and appreciate and follow sports in general and football. But I feel like, again, there's a that loss of perspective when you get down to referring to yourself as, <laughs> as a member of the team. Mm-hmm. And the only other thing is that every time Andrew talked about the Browns' new coach, Hugh Jackson, I just thought, I really wish Hugh Jackman were the new coach of the Browns. <laughs> oh, then I, that would be then I would way watch more it. interesting. <laughs> Um, here's my question though. Hugh Jackson, I saw your note when I made mine. Hugh Jackson spells his name H U E because it's short for Huey. Um, so if you got a, well, that's an improvement. If you got a Hugh Jacks, uh, Hugh Jackman with H U E, it would be like, uh, uh-huh. would be like a, a knockoff store Hugh Jackman. <laughs> it would be like yeah. the kind of Hugh Jackman you buy at a flea market. <laughs> I don't want that kind of Hugh Jackman. That does nothing for me. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't have anything to add about the no point conversion. I enjoy their enjoyment of football. Mm-hmm. Um, there was one transition. I didn't put it in the notes here, but I believe, I believe it was uh, Luke who just says, "Speaking of injuries, do you want to talk about the Browns?" <laughs> just, <laughs> yeah, just pretty cold. Uh, let's go to Tuesday, 2206. I did it all for the Nookie. Um, and if, before we do that, I want to note that on Monday, um, they doubled down on Alanis for the Alanis level donors. Somebody mm-hmm. made the fatal mistake of suggesting alternatives mm-hmm. <laughs> and should have known better. Uh, but to yep. Tuesday, um, we start with a spoof about opening a Thai restaurant called the Spice Noodle under the Space Needle. I like I it. Like it. I laughed at I that. would eat there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and we get some activity tracker watch talk from Luke. Um, he has a fancy pants activity watch uh, from a company that he has plugged before, and they've actually sent him some free stuff. Um, and I can't remember the name of it, which I find thoroughly appropriate for our segment. 
Um, <laughs> but he apparently was actually to the point where he was out on a run, realized he didn't have it. And though, even though he knows exactly what happens on his runs, he was concerned to the point where he thought about going back for it just to make sure that the watch knew that he ran. Oh, I've done this. Mm, I've yeah, turned my car. I've turned my car around and gotten my watch on my way to yoga because if if it, if I don't get credit for it, then why even do it? <laughs> Physical well-being. Nah. Yeah. Uh, I want a picture of a medal. <laughs> we could send you a picture of a medal, Meredith. <laughs> um, and this leads to one of my favorite Andrew stories for a while. Um, Andrew uh, was listening to something. Uh, Brock and Salt or something, some sports talk show, and heard something that he wanted to clip and share, uh, but he couldn't remember when or what day's episode it was or anything like that until he remembered where he was when he heard it, which was running down a dead end street, which is a weird blip for him on his jogging, uh, you know, usual uh, trip. And so he actually went back and looked at his jogging history on his activity tracker found the moment that he was doing that and then traced that back to the exact moment in the show he was listening to then he stalked himself to find that time code <laughs> this and, is what you get when you watch enough Columbo. yeah yes that's what i was thinking uh and that process is infinitely more interesting than the clip that he found <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> I listened to it and I was like, "This, this is what all the all the work was about." You spent more than three seconds thinking uh, about this. Uh, a real long climb for a short slide on that one. Yeah, uh, we get if it rhymes, it chimes, which uh -huh. is cute. Um, and Luke starts talking about a gig that he is being approached about in Portland, and he feels slighted by the lack of research from the person trying to hire him because this person A is just being really clingy. And B sent an email saying, are you going to be at Livewire this Thursday? <laughs> to which Luke's response in his mind is, uh, I'm the host. Of course, I'm going to be at Livewire this Thursday. Essentially, there is no Livewire until I walk in. Mm -hmm. That's more or less saying, do you know who I am? Yeah. Yes. I wish you would write back and say, I'm thinking about it. <laughs> It is possible that he gets a sub or something. Sure. I don't know. I don't think that's that crazy. Of a oh, I don't question. think it is at all either. I think this person's just being really timid. Yeah. And, yep. and just, you know. Yeah, I, I think it was a perfectly innocent email and, and Luke's way overthinking it. I do think he has a good point when he talks about how people should do a little Google research mm -hmm. before they ask dumb or obvious questions. Um, I think that would be a lesson that a lot of people could learn. Yeah, there's that uh, classic phrase, there are no stupid questions, and it's wrong. I think there are lots <laughs> of stupid questions. Yeah, I think any question you can answer yourself is a stupid question. Uh, on to uh, the lawsuit uh, involving the now dead drunk of the week column, which just looking at on paper looks like a recipe for a lawsuit. Yeah, sure does. <laughs> Um, I don't know that we need to break down the lawsuit, mainly because it's really confusing. <laughs> uh, but it sounds like the stranger is is kind of screwed. I don't understand this whole thing about how they tried to pacify the la lady who was complaining. And 
they just used a picture of one of Kellyo's friends. Mm-hmm. That seems so bizarre to me. How can that possibly be true? Yeah, uh, it just sounds like they just started digging and kept digging, and kept digging themselves a deeper hole. Um, yeah. Let's say it's not that woman. And she sees this picture and she thinks it's her and it's not her, which in and of itself is ridiculous. Right. Um, uh, let's say you're going to find any other woman on Earth to try to say, no, it's this woman. Maybe not a woman who definitely wouldn't have been showing her chest in public. Right. They picked the absolute worst right. fake person. Uh, it just makes no sense. Uh, but... It does give us a couple of things. It gives us an excuse to play the Kelly O drop. Drunk people are so meta. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and it gives us an excuse for Luke to tell us about his I anonymous column about the time he judged people buying junk food with food stamps. Hmm, Sounds like young Luke. Yeah. Yep. Um, I think much like Trump talk, we're probably all on the same page with this. So we probably don't mm-hmm. need to break it down. Uh, but uh, mind your own damn business, Luke. Um on to Andrew with maybe the story of the week. Um, a BMW uh, clearly loading up for a party parked in a handicapped spot at his local QFC. Mm-hmm. Um, and clearly, question mark, a fellow who did not have a physical handicap. Right. Now, not always easy to discern, but in this instance, Andrew has gone out of his way to make it really clear this person appears to be cheating the system. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually took a wide range of emotion on this. Um, my first instinct is always to be super snarky asshole. So my instinct was to confront this guy, see him running around the store buying his laboos and say, hey, I noticed you forgot to put up your placard. Mm-hmm. I'm so sorry that you have a hard time getting in and out of the store. Is there anything I can do? Can I can I help you with your bags? Let me help you load those back into your car. Um, that that would have been my first response. But later in the week, people make a good point that you don't always know everyone's situation. Um, I suppose the more reasonable thing to do would just to be call the cops and let them figure it out. Because if they mm-hmm. show up and write him a ticket, if he has a legit, a legit reason for parking there, that ticket can be taken care of. Um, mm-hmm. So don't don't be a confrontational, passive aggressive dick. It's probably the right answer. It's not what I like. <laughs> and does it make it worse that it's a BMW? Of course it does. Andrew's somehow very specific yes. about that. <laughs> yes. Um uh I know very few people with BMWs that I like. Same. <laughs> <laughs> we rented one once and I felt like a douchebag driving it. You rented one? Yes. Uh, this was a couple of years ago. We were at the airport. We were going on a road trip. Uh, and back before we bought Sam a new car, we used to rent cars a lot whenever we were driving home because we didn't want either of our cars to make the trip. Mm-hmm. And they were dead. And so they were offering real low prices to upgrade to nicer cars. And uh, they had a Beamer. I didn't even know you could rent those. Some places have more and more nice cars for rental because mm-hmm. they'll try to get you like, oh, it's just another $40 a day. And I'm like, right. no, 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 give me my, give, give me my Hyundai. <laughs> give me that Aveo. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, the price was right. And we also rented a Camaro once for a week. And Sam Ooh. still has not forgiven me for speeding through <laughs> central Pennsylvania in these bucket seats, just leaving her in the passenger seat. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Well, my, 
My dad actually has a BMW SUV that he bought, I don't know, Oops. five years ago. And it was, oh no, only because my mom pushed him and pushed him and pushed him for years because he so desperately wanted one. He was, you know, one of those boys in his toys things. He drove sobs forever and old sobs too. And he just, he's so frugal. He wanted a BMW and he just couldn't commit. And he would go back to the dealership and back to the dealership <laughs> and just yank that poor sales guy around until he finally got one. And now he loves it so much he won't drive it in the winter, so he puts it in storage. He's one of those guys. <laughs> so does he have an old sob but that's he, his beater? Uh, no. he. I guess he doesn't have a beater anymore. He had a Ford F-150 okay. that he was driving for a long time in the winter. But, uh, boy, there is no chance of me ever driving that thing. They are beautiful, high-performance vehicles. I'm sure at least someone listening to this has one right now, and I'm sure you are a good person, and I know that because you're listening <laughs> to this show right now. Um, but uh, we should meet you so that we can say we met one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I feel more that way about Lexus drivers. I hear that you have a lot of um, Lexi on the West Coast, but really anybody who drives a Lexus in Minnesota, they're gonna be um pretty much a jerk there are as many lexi here as there are people i think really somehow oh those suvs are ubiquitous they're everywhere i used to think they were like ooh, fancy and now i park next to a tesla at the grocery store every day and i'm like eh, whatever <laughs> <laughs> poor people in your lexus i don't drive one <laughs> i drive a much cheaper car than a lexus but <laughs> they're everywhere they're like roaches well my toyota yaris standard transmission <laughs> <laughs> Hundred thousand mile go kart, still serving me well. Um, Luke, I think I quoted this right, but it might not be a hundred percent right. Says that uh, you should be planting an acorn of guilt that grows into an oak tree of not fucking doing that anymore. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's that great. That's that's a thing that he's talked about in that in a similar way before. Uh, back on the interview show uh, with Megan Keene, where uh, Luke was having a, an issue with the IT guys and he was losing his shit there. And he was saying that one of the reasons that you lose your shit is so that people know that they can't treat you that way. And so this is just another variation on that of letting people know that this behavior is not appropriate so that at some point they'll stop rather than just giving them, as I wrote down the Andrew's quote, I was giving him Manson lamps from across the way, which I thought was a great description of it. Rather than just uh, giving people the stink eye or making passive-aggressive statements to actually come out and say something that might uh, cause them to alter, um, alter their behavior in the future. I mean, there's some merit to that thought. Yeah. Uh, first, I believe Manson Lamps was coined on The Sopranos, which I hear, <laughs> which I hear is a very popular show. Hmm. <laughs> Um, and also I told you guys a whole story before we started rolling about this and I wasn't going to tell it, but you just put it that way. And so now I'm going to tell it Thursday night. Um, I had a woman get in my face at trivia trying to argue an answer that had absolutely no room for debate. Uh, she was insisting that an answer that she had was right, even though it was wrong. And it was a geography and, and, you know, political geographic question. Like, there was no gray area for interpretation. 
And when I tried to start explaining to her that she was wrong, she started loudly yelling no at me in front of everyone and making a scene. And so after I asked our next question, I went over to her table, actually at the bar, her team at the bar, and I loudly and aggressively shut her down and told them that if they did that again, she was going to be gone. And after the game, the bartender pulled me aside and asked what the hell happened. (laughs) And I just explained to her that in a room full of 60 people, if I let one person do that and then walk away and I just look sheepish, everyone's going to come up and argue every answer they think could be right or should be right. And I'm never going to hear the end of it. And it's kind of like being a teacher. Like you just have to quash that shit. And so Mm -hmm. I made an example of this woman who the next morning messaged my boss on Facebook asking how to lodge a complaint about a host. Uh, And I'm hoping she does because I really want to read it. Um. (laughs) But uh, you've got to just, you know, you've got to shut that kind of stuff down. And, and hopefully it tells that person they can't be like that again. But it also tells everyone else who's sort of watching, don't fuck with me. Uh, and True. that's as important as anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get an email following up on gender neutral pronouns. Um, this person saying people are not objects. So the correct gender neutral pronoun is they, not it. Uh, if you look into this, um, there are actually many different gender neutral pronouns. I actually struggle with the thought of using they because for years and years as a journalist, English major copy editor, I've corrected people for using they for singular pronouns because it's just sloppy. Mm -hmm. Uh, And now we're supposed to use it. (laughs) And it kind of goes back on something that I learned, but there are like X E. I don't know how to pronounce Z, I guess. Um, Mm -hmm. is one of many options that have been floated as an alternative for he or she. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know that any of them will bubble up to prominence, but um, I would almost prefer that to they. Right. Can I, um, can I digress onto a little bit of a rant here? Is that okay? I'm going to ask permission before I do this. Granted. Um, This is about uh, correcting Luke and Andrew on these sorts of things. And I thought this was a a fairly mild gaffe as far as it goes. Um, But things have gotten heated and people get their feelings hurt. And so they write in to holler at the guys for not being sensitive enough. And in these sorts of situations, I always think, can you please remember who your adversaries truly are? In these cases, and I'm not really getting on the on the case of this particular person because she had a thought and she wanted to express it. But it seems to me that we liberal progressive types spend so much time beating up on our own allies. Somebody like Luke, who is a a white hetero man and thus privileged and maybe doesn't understand all the time, but he's trying He's there and he stands with you and relentlessly correcting his behavior when he doesn't say things exactly perfectly is not helping the situation at all. And I think the the biggest thing that comes to my mind was um, was that last fall when The Martian was coming out and there was a whole thing on the Internet over Matt Damon because on the Project Greenlight TV show, he had been insensitive about race. He had black splain to a black lady or whatever it was and the collective internet went crazy and um, was ripping him to shreds and I'm like why are you going after Matt Damon he's 
totally progressive. He stands with you on everything. He's passionate about solving poverty and water issues in uh, Africa. He's with you. Why are you making him the target? And so this is one of these things that really upsets me because I want people to remember who your true adversary is and give each other a break. There. End of rant. I've wanted to say that for a long time. <laughs> so in summary, stop being so quick to judge and correct Luke, Andrew, and Matt Damon. That's yes. Right. Can't Matt Damon get a break? <laughs> and just let's remember that the true enemy here is the shriveled pinto bean that you had to pluck out of your Chipotle burrito basket. <laughs> uh, well put, Anne, and also Meredith. <laughs> Uh, Tuesday ends with more conversation about dad songs, which I didn't have any great notes on. Me neither. <laughs> so Wednesday, uh, Meredith? Wednesday, 2207, the goose drowner and the last button on Gabe's coat. Boy, I have a lot of notes for today. There was a lot going on. Yes. Luke opens the show by mentioning that he has two cheese sticks, two frescas, and one podcast, which leads Andrew to try to make a George Thorogood joke about his song One Bourbon, One Scotch, and One Beer. Um, that was I tr- that was difficult. <laughs> yeah. He never really got there. He just talked about a joke he wanted to make that he didn't actually make. Um, I tried and I failed getting through that live version that they found on YouTube because it was like five minutes of him just telling stories about how, you know, town A parties harder than town B where he was last night. <laughs> That's honestly um, every every recording of that track because people will request that at trivia. Um I don't think I've ever found one that just cuts to the chase. Yeah, I fast forwarded through many, many, many minutes of that. And I just ended, I gave up. So um, we, we have to listen to Bad to the Bone, the Elven and the Chipmunks <laughs> version, which really, Andrew said, this is the worst sound I've ever heard. And I agree. <laughs> yeah, I wrote down, he's not wrong. Uh, it's yeah. times like this, I feel bad for anyone who listened to this episode at like double speed. <laughs> I started to because I was way behind. So um, I listened to it once on one and a half speed and it was like, well, it's not much worse. (laughs) This brings up, well, they go through the whole video, the Alvin and the Chipmunks video of this and narrate it. Uh, Luke was under the impression that Alvin threw an old lady out of a window. He actually just terrifies her out of a window. Um, Simon and Theodore uh, are enabling his bad behavior by catching her. And then uh, Luke mentions that George Thorogood is the soundtrack to someone being an asshole. Seems about right. Mm-hmm. Um, some other things that are bad to the bone turn out to be Gravedigger, the monster truck. <laughs> uh, Andrew's whole redneck upbringing was bad to the bone. And then he learn- he tells us about Stompers, which was something I wasn't really aware of. I think no, that was neither. more of a little boy toy. Um, but it taught Andrew about batteries, the most important lesson in childhood. He has such a battery obsession. Yeah, it's he's so also strange. worrying about how many batteries the government uses every year, right? right? <laughs> <laughs> so it all started with stompers. So what are these, like little little toy trucks? Uh, yeah, uh, I don't know too much about them because their first iteration was actually a few years before I was born. And so this falls right into that gap. The guys aren't that much older than me, but uh, just enough on this one. I was a Hot Wheels kid. I didn't get anything that had batteries in it. Okay, I'm looking at them now. They're they're just yeah, they're pickup trucks with big wheels. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, nobody else. Anybody? Uh, survey for the audience on wh- what dirty joke came to mind when Andrew talked about the toy that taught him about batteries. 
Tell us, Bobby. Uh, well, there are so many options, but uh, <laughs> Stompers wasn't one of them. Nope. <laughs> All right. Uh, anyway, uh, tonight is the podcast talk that the guys are doing. Uh, adjunct Professor Walsh is in charge, which is, sounds like news to him. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> Luke mentions he's in charge, and Andrew goes, what? <laughs> And we learn later that started off like an anxiety <laughs> avalanche for him. No surprise. Not yeah. to, I mean, to skip ahead just for the sake of the quote, Andrew says, before they get going, you really think I'm leading this thing, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> just to ramp up the anxiety. <laughs> um, Luke channels someone he calls Professor Blow Your Mind to give Andrew a couple of ideas about how he should open the class, which leads to a discussion about documentary now because it could be a Fred Armisen character. Uh, and they play a clip of Bill Hader, which sounded to me just like him doing his James Carville impression from SNL. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty good. But that's yeah. who I was picturing in my head. I haven't seen this show. I don't know anything about it. Do you guys watch this? Mm-mm. No, it honestly just didn't. It never struck me as interesting enough to seek out. I've seen the commercials for it. Yeah, it looks fine. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It looks funny, but I have so many other things to watch before I would get to that. Right. Yeah. Bobby, you got to get through The Sopranos. Still. All of it. Yeah. <laughs> I've never seen a single episode. I just finished Silicon Valley. I'm riding that yeah. high for a little while. <laughs> um, we Today is the first day that we get the terrible version of the Natalie Merchant thank you song i have never been a fan of natalie merchant Me neither. i just think that a singer should have a range of more than five notes burn yeah she does a lot of yodeling that i don't really enjoy uh speaking of the people thanked i need to do a little announcement here uh chris herbert you were thanked on wednesday's show as a resident of my native webster new york um to this time, I was not aware of any tens in Webster or from Webster except me. So I can't find you on Facebook. Um, I don't know if you really exist or if someone's just trolling me on a really impressive level. <laughs> but uh, Chris <laughs> Herbert, if you're listening to this, please drop us a line. I'd like to know that you exist. And uh, I'll meet you at Barry's for a drink in a few weeks when I'm in Rochester. Uh, it would be amazing to know another 10 in Webster. Uh, Webster, where life is worth living. Official town slogan. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Our top story for Wednesday is the study about the five second rule. Um, it's not exactly going to save you from ingesting a bunch of bacteria. Uh, it, t- it turns out that the longer the food touched a surface, the more bacteria it absorbed, but the composition of the food mattered more than the time. Watermelon was the worst. Gummy bears were the best, which is a surprise to me. I thought gummy bears being sticky would have picked up more gunk. Well, but they're hard on the outside. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the watermelon has a bunch of, of liquid, so that makes sense. Luke says he would eat a Skittle out of a toilet. See, I always thought that I was uh, much more simpatico with Andrew, but once Luke said that, I was like, oh, maybe <laughs> Luke and I are soulmates. I understand the perceived value increasing the chance that you would pick something up and and brush it off and eat it. And Andrew definitely says sausages rank higher than strawberries in that regard. He would eat a sausage regardless. Yeah. So. Sure. 
this this came then they they move on to talking about blowing food off and i don't know where this this word came from but i've always had it in my head that that's called disconfecting Ooh, that's and a I good looked word. it up, and it's actually on Urban Dictionary. So I must have come across this years ago, because it always occurs to me. Like if I drop something, and I'm pretty sure it's okay, I will blow it off. But it's not to remove germs. That's ridiculous. It's to blow off any like actual stuff that's on. Yeah, there. like any fuzz or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, can I get a spelling on that? Because I'm not D. Yes, it's D I S C O N F E C T I N. Okay, that's exactly how I thought it was spelled. I didn't find it immediately. The Google will usually take you to Urban Dictionary, but maybe because it's not sexual. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, all of the definitions are very tame. You can actually read those. Yeah, to sterilize a piece of candy you dropped on the floor by blowing on it, assuming this will somehow remove all the germs. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. The other thought I had is I used to listen to, or I still do, I guess, but um, religiously I used to listen to Science Friday with Ira Flato. And... uh, one of the Ig Nobel Awards was for a study like this, and this was years ago. I remember driving home from work um, when I was in college and listening to that episode, and it was the same conclusion. So I, I feel like this study has actually been done before. I, replicating results is always a good thing in science, so I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but I, I believe we've already had this information out there in the scientific universe, but still well, interesting. And, and nobody... Nobody really believed in the five-second rule, did they? I mean, you drop something on the floor and you say, oh, five-second rule. You don't actually mean it. No. You're just saying it because that's what we say. Yeah, and it's a way to justify eating something you still really want to eat. Right. Yeah. And unless you, dro- you drop it in a public restroom or in a urinal trough, I don't, you know, it's, you're probably going to be okay. Oh, yeah. Totally situational. That moves us to a discussion of blowing off Nintendo cartridges, which I think I spent half of my childhood doing. <laughs> um, and I always thought it was to remove dust. We had we you could buy these dumb little um, cleaning cartridges that were just rubbing alcohol in a Q-tip, more or less. Um, so my mom bought one of those one time and was like, "That's dumb. I can do this myself." So uh, that was we always had a little bottle of rubbing alcohol, some cloths next to the Nintendo, and my brother was a champ at, at blowing the dust out of those things. So that's a fond memory. Are you too young for that, Bobby? Uh, we had a, I had a Sega Genesis. Um, okay. I don't know why I had a Sega and not a Nintendo, but I have plenty of friends who had Nintendo. Um, blowing into the cartridges. And I like the thought, in hindsight, that maybe it's the moisture as much as anything that helps uh, with the connections. Because I could totally see those... Um, those slots getting worn out after a while and, and not touching as much as they should. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I could definitely argue that. So I, I, I see why it actually worked. Yeah. And it did. It, I oh, mean, yeah. it seemed to anyway. Um, this brings us to the lung brush skit from SNL. That was a new one for me. I hadn't heard that. It's a good mm-hmm. Chris Farley. It, it sounds like it was more visual than anything else. So I need to go look that up. Uh, Cause the audience was kind of ewing. Yeah. <laughs> so i'd like to see that um moving on to words that are disappearing and some entity is trying to get podcasters to use these words to bring them back into style i took notes on about six of these and then i I got bored and stopped writing them down (laughs) i wrote the first three down and then i realized they were going alphabetically and i was like oh jesus no i know i got to cup towel and i was like oh i can't do this anymore um I don't know. A barn burner was a surprise to me. The rest were whatever. I thought a barn burner was also a close game or a match, but it makes sense that a match that you can strike anywhere, if you want to mm-hmm. set a, burn, bar, a barn on fire, 
would be a useful tool, so, as I often do. Say, if you are an arson. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, we always just called those strike anywhere matches. Yeah, that's what they're called on the box, yeah, I think. we never had a... And that's always a lie. I've never been able to get one of those to, to, to light anywhere but the side of the box. Yeah. Um, moving on, Luke gave up on the push-up challenge. Hmm. Andrew's still going strong. I also gave up. I gave up. Oh, um, no. I gave up. <laughs> I just kept forgetting to do it, and then I finally just deleted the app off my... As I'm preparing for an iPhone 7, hopefully... Uh, I, like yeah. yesterday, I purged all the pictures off my phone and uh, deleted some apps and took note of all my apps because every time I've switched phones, I've had to re-download everything. You don't just use a backup? Um, I tried to do that last time I switched phones and it didn't work. It backed up my contacts, but mm -hmm. not all my apps. So I'm just, you know, preparing for the worst. Mm -hmm. um, and I just realized it just wasn't an app I was using. So I got rid of it. Yeah. I always intend to do, and I did it for two weeks, and then I always intended to do it after I got back from yoga. I go almost every day, and there's, but there's so much push-up-like activity in that, uh, in the classes I go to, that my arms and shoulders are exhausted by the time I get home. So I don't know. I never really, <laughs> I wasn't very incented to do it, and and I'm usually exhausted by the time I get done with yoga. So I stopped. Not a surprise. Um. Emails. Someone is sending TBTL their unemployment checks, more or less. Oh. <laughs> Thanks, he Dave. He didn't donate because he lost his job. I know. That was so sweet. Uh, uh, he was feeling guilty, so he donated anyway. Um, and then we get another email from a meat slicer, right, at a grocery yep. store mm -hmm. about all of the, the things that people do to get around paying full price for things at the self-checkout, including typing in the code for the regular donuts rather than the fancy donuts or having four and paying for two. <clears throat> I've always wondered why if you, if you're into buying organic stuff, why you wouldn't just type in the regular code and pay for the, like, you know, conventional right. stuff. That seems like something you couldn't prove very easily, especially if it's in a bag. When mm -hmm. I was a kid and we would go to Wegmans or I would go to Wegmans, um, they were pioneers in the bulk candy setup. And you could fill a bag with whatever candy you wanted and then weigh it and print out a price tag. And my uh, terrible little friends and I would, like, hold the bag up on the scale or oh, stick, our, no. stick, our, Bobby. stick our finger on the side. And it would be like, oh, this whole bag of candy is only $2 instead of 7 <laughs> Yeah. Um, and then you had to just make sure you went through the line with the least interested-looking teenager working. <laughs> Uh, and we would, you know, scam Wegmans out of several dollars worth of candy a month. Yeah. 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 Um, Andrew calls himself the chief pettiest officer because he's the rule follower and he will enforce all the rules. Um, I think this is when they started talking about leaving your shopping cart in the line and going to get some other things because the, the Beamer guy did this. Mm -hmm. And I was so, so surprised that Luke didn't bring it up on Monday but I'm not surprised at all that he does this. <laughs> yes. Mm -hmm. Not at all. I've done it occasionally. Like if I forgot something and it's very close, I'll just run and grab. But I always like make a little check with the person behind me. Hey, I'm just going to go grab something. Is that okay? Because I'm aware that that's kind of a rude thing to do. You're just saying my time's more valuable than everybody else's. I think more often than not when I see this, it's if I'm in line behind someone and it's a couple and 
person one yes. is putting everything on the belt and person two is running up at the last second with whatever that last item was. And mm-hmm. I, I feel like that's rarely someone taking advantage of the system. I feel like that's always like, shit, we forgot the milk or whatever. Yeah, we actually did this yesterday. We were at the grocery store buying beer for this whatever football party thing. And Duff had grabbed a six pack that had one beer taken out of it because people will make their own grab bag six packs. And we didn't realize it until we put it on the shelf. So he, I was putting everything else on the belt. He ran and got another beer, probably screwing someone else in the process, unfortunately, uh, who would pick up that now five pack. Uh, but it didn't hold anybody up. Yeah, totally acceptable. Yeah. Okay, good. Um, they never got to the streaker story that they, they teased at the beginning. I'm kind of disappointed because as a non-sporto, I didn't know anything about this, and I kind of wanted to hear their take on it. Yeah, um, I don't know anything about it except the tape that they played. But it, Yeah, he even talked about it in, in, in Friday's show. Right. But the tape's pretty amazing. I mean, it's just play-by-play of a streaker. And usually <laughs> the announcers and camera crews uh, specifically avoid that to not encourage more. It's like the calling it right. a bomb threat right. of, you know, big sporting events. But um, Kelly made the most of it. And it was really funny. I don't know that there's any more story <laughs> than that. Oh, what is yeah. it? Um, I think Gawker. No, uh, Deadspin. I think called the kid. Right. That's what he was yeah. teasing. And we never heard that. I would like to hear that. I guess yeah. we could just go to Deadspin and find the story. I suppose. <laughs> That's all I got for Wednesday. All right, I guess that takes it to me with Thursday 2208, Songs in the Key of Don't. And we finally get to the gold toilet. But first, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Larry, the the guy who set up their class that they taught, got Andrew and Luke mugs. He's been listening to the show to get a feel for TBTL for a while. while, Because this came up weeks and weeks ago. Um, He got Andrew a... Batman mug, like the one of his earlier career, although apparently better because this one's yellow on the inside instead of black. Uh, and he got Luke a mug from the Tattletale, which Luke figures he must have called and asked for, but I bet they're just on eBay or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but very thoughtful. Nice guy, Larry. Yeah, what a nice gesture. Yeah. yeah. Um, Luke's in Portland and he's seven coffees in because he's trying to stay warm. <laughs> But he's on a tight clothes schedule because he's at the beginning of like a nine day trip and he, he has to be really careful to not dirty more clothes than necessary. Um, mm-hmm. I If I hit the six day point, uh, I just know I'm doing laundry somewhere in the middle of the trip. Yes. Yes. So at this point, if I'm working the timeline out correctly, he has done his exercising, right? That's why he needed to divest himself of what he was wearing it's just that he can't put on the regular clothes until he showers so does that mean he's like sitting on the bed and sitting on the chair and like his sweaty skivvies and stuff because i don't want to be in that room next that's why hotel rooms are disgusting yeah uh (laughs) try not to think about that ever Mm -hmm. (laughs) don't touch the upholstered surfaces uh Always strip the bed straight down to the laundered sheets. Don't yeah. touch the um, over bedspread if it looks like the kind that never get washed. Yeah. And uh, I'm not a germaphobe, but I, I did get a little travel Lysol spray, like for the remote control. Yeah, I have wipes. And my favorite hotel rooms are the ones that have the remotes that um, 
have bubble buttons instead of regular buttons, and they're the kind that are designed to be completely wiped downable with no cracks and crevices. Right. Um, and then also any hotel room that has a hard chair, like either a pleather or a blow mold plastic chair, no padding, no absorbent surface. Anything you could all because all because Luke's been doing T twenty five. Um. <laughs> Luke doing T25 is actually low on the list of things I'm worried about people doing in hotel rooms on chairs. <laughs> um, basically, if you can run um, a Clorox wipe over it, which is what I carry in my luggage, um, I'm happy. Um, yeah. It doesn't mean I'm always going to do it, but it just gives me the sense that it could have been done or that the cleaning staff did it. Uh, but even grosser than all of that is that Luke used the hotel room coffee maker. Yes. Yeah. I thought we, we talked have, about this. Um, which, for some reason, I always just assume that people put the grossest things in. I don't know why they would, but I just assume the worst. I just never touch yeah. them. Mm -mm. Um, Luke talks about after the show, uh, the class on Wednesday night, going to the airport, um, he ate a bunch of Din Tai Fun leftovers. <laughs> and the soup dumplings had recongealed into their semi-solid soup Ooh. state. Oh, that sounds awful. <laughs> Uh, I, I, this doesn't surprise me. Like, um, like a nice consomme would sort of gel back together a little bit. Sure. Sure. Uh, and then they top it off by getting a bag of dicks. <laughs> yeah. That's he, never not fun. He had, he had an episode. He had an impromptu cheat night and, um, I have had those where some switch suddenly turns off and, and I took a, a nutrition class where they had a, a component on emotional eating and there was something in the book that actually made me laugh that they called the what the heck moment, which <laughs> I do would I just call it what the hell. So at some point you just go, ah, what the hell? And then yeah. you just dive face forward into the nachos or whatever. It sounds like Luke had one of those. And that's why he's having seven cups of coffee and no food yeah. <laughs> the next day. <laughs> Uh, on to big news about PRPD in Phoenix. Andrew is going, uh, but apparently... Oh, my god! But apparently there's uh, uh, a lot of um, trepidation about what's happening with his hotel room situation. And so he may, for one night, be crashing with Luke, maybe? And Luke suggests that they do T25 together in the hotel room. <laughs> so Andrew's dream come true and worst nightmare come true. <laughs> All in one. Especially when Luke tells us that he usually does it in his underwear. In his underwear. <laughs> uh, uh, more uh, travel woes. Uh, Luke found out that for his flight to Portland, and then also on his flight cross-country to Philly um, for two, for, through two different employers... He was opted out of potential first class upgrades for both flights because apparently someone checked a box saying he wanted to be opted out of first class upgrades. <laughs> and he why makes does that box big, exist? Yeah, he, he makes a big deal out of saying, why would you even have That's that? That's a fair point. Yeah. Um, I hope he gets that resolved. Uh, as jealous as I would be of him flying in first class, he's clearly earned it with his miles. Yes. Uh, mm -hmm. And frankly, I don't want to hear about it every time he flies. <laughs> yeah. So it's for like public good. <laughs> Why couldn't he life hack his way out of yeah. this? <laughs> um, Luke is talking to other people with U's and long vowels in their names about 
people looking him when he comes out on stage. <laughs> <laughs> so he wants to ask Bruce Campbell if he's had the same experience. Right. I'm pretty sure they're saying Boo Earns. Boo <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, that's it. Uh, yeah, Bruce Campbell should have something to say about this. I meant to message Luke. Um, one of my dumbest guilty pleasures was the TV show Burn Notice. <laughs> ah, I don't want to be no. like, dear Bruce Campbell, you've had a long career of all sorts of great B-horror movies and other celebrity appearances. Please tell us about your seven or whatever seasons on the TV show Burn Notice. <laughs> oh, no, I go way further back from when he was on Xena, Warrior Princess. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> but that has a lot more cult cachet. Like, I'm mm-hmm. downright embarrassed about Burn Notice, but it was great turn your brain off television. It's, you know, just MacGyvery enough. There's some explosions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Bruce Campbell. Um, yes. Stop booing Luke. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's fun and it's a little thing that people feel like they have with him, but he doesn't like it. Yeah, he feels like he needs to clarify I, to everyone who's unaware. I think Andrew They're made a good point. Me. It's a great option for an opening joke. Every time for him to yeah. just say, I, mm-hmm. I think they're saying Luke, not Boo. Yeah. I think he's made it before in various arenas. Yeah. Uh, to our top story for Thursday, um, the gold toilet art installation, but functioning, titled America, which is now on display <laughs> at the Guggenheim. <laughs> And they said the name, and I thought, God, that sounds familiar. Maurizio Catalan is the same guy who did the kneeling Hitler statue that was sold for $17 million that we talked about a few months ago, which was the episode when I went on the tangent about potato art. But (laughs) uh, So this is the second Catalan piece that we've talked about. TBTL is really on the cutting edge of modern art. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I think this is hilarious and great and also <laughs> thought-provoking. Um, mm-hmm. I don't want to think about how much it must have cost, which was a big part of this oh, conversation. Oh, we know that. We uh, Tom on the Stens page did a little math, a little estimation, and he came up with $6.77 million, yeah. what the gold would cost. Based on the right weight of a toilet and the weight of cost of, a gold, of gold, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I did have a question. So... People can use this toilet, and at the top of the episode, uh, Luke notes that the gold toilet is now available for your number one, number two, and number three oh, yeah. needs. <laughs> I, I feel like number three is one of those things like the bases in fooling around, and they're all defined a little bit differently. So whatever number three is, it's not good, but it's available for no. that. Um, but I imagine that you need a certain amount of privacy to use it, right? So what is to keep someone from, like, trying to steal a piece of gold toilet? Um, The honor system? It's a lot of gold. Yeah. Hi, we're going to let you alone in a room with this six and a half million dollar toilet. (laughs) I just feel like... I don't know, maybe you're not not allowed to take bags or coats or anything in. I guess. I mean, there must be something like that. But um, I'd be, you know... People rip off regular toilet seats all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Maybe there's a creep in the air ducts watching everybody. (laughs) Uh, Perfect segue to Andrew's quote of the week. 
<laughs> I can't remember the context for it, but he just says, I've been looking at you through the bathroom window. Ooh. <laughs> um, very cool. Ladies, the million dollar question, the six and a half million dollar question, would you use it? No. No. Really? Because it's because it's a gimmick. Because I would feel like I'm being weirdly manipulated. Because it's a real shame that we're tricking people into going to an art museum. I suppose so. <laughs> I don't know. The whole thing of, look, it's a gold toilet. You want to use it, don't you? Don't you? Don't you? I would just say, mm, no. Yeah. Now, if they could find me a gold trough to piss in at a Bills game, <laughs> <laughs> we'd really be on to something. Um, I, gold is not the strongest metal. I mean, that was the other thought I had when it comes to... Um, Stealing a piece. I realize it's thoroughly impractical to think that somebody's going to bring in a little toolkit and break right. off a piece of gold toilet. But uh, of metals, it's it's relatively malleable. I mean, I feel like it's it's possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you shouldn't use any abrasive cleaners on that. Right, which leads to the next right. conversation. How do you clean a gold right. toilet? Do you just bring in the, the girl from K-Jewelers, like when I drop my ring off every time right. I go to the mall? Yeah, they just polish it for you. <laughs> well, we're making an assumption here that you are going to have direct skin-to-skin contact with the gold. Do we know that there's no kind of coating over it? Some sort of plastic? There's just one of those dispensers that pulls out those tissue papers in the shape of a toilet seat. <laughs> I, I I don't know. I mean, that put some sort of surface over the gold so that you don't scrub the gold away with the poop. I don't know. <laughs> Let's not think about this much longer. <laughs> I just thought of something, actually, um, that hadn't crossed my mind until just now. Uh, I have a ticket to go to see Livewire in October, one of the two shows in New York. I can't make the Friday night show, and I have to leave right after the Saturday night show, but I am going to go to see the Chris Hayes episode. Um I think I can get down into New York earlier in the day. Kelly Folkers and I have already been talking about getting dinner before the show. If any other New York 10s are hearing this and want to join us, let me know and we can work up a little event or something. Uh, but maybe we need to take an afternoon field trip to the Guggenheim. Ooh. Maybe maybe I need to investigate. If it's still there by the middle of October, uh, what's up with this gold I toilet? would think so. Well, I would hope so, yeah. but... Every other public toilet I've ever seen is out of order after about six weeks. So <laughs> Something awful is going to happen in this one exactly. for sure. Um, so you've got this toilet bowl cleaning situation and Luke talks about these. Was it Luke or Andrew who talks about these toilet bowl sticks? I think it's Luke because he admits he's never actually Luke, used yeah. it. Where yeah, you yep. clip it onto the end of the handle, scrub the toilet and then throw it out. And you don't actually have to touch anything. I believe it's Andrew who says these are the Keurig of toilet bowl cleaners. Yeah, I've used them. They feel very wasteful and kind of unnecessary mm-hmm. to me. I mean, I'm not eating out of my toilet and I can wash my hands. Right. So I don't mind. I, You know, I rinse off the brush when I'm done, let it dry. I don't know. It doesn't creep me out that much. Well, I use gloves. Yeah, I, I don't I mean, even use gloves. Although I have to confess, yeah. I don't. In the division of housework, Sam usually takes the bathroom. So... Um, it, it hasn't been my problem in a while, but for years of cleaning the toilet, I'm usually like Andrew, one of those people who guts the bathroom, bleach cleaners, mm-hmm. everything from floor to mm-hmm. ceiling. I think yeah. of it like like a public bathroom. If I had a hose, I could spray it down with a wood. 
<laughs> I guess I sort of do. We have one of those detachable shower handles. I could. That's how I clean the tub. I scrub it yeah. and then I, you know, hose it all down. Um, I'd do the yeah. whole bathroom that way if, if somebody had thought to install a floor grate in this bathroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, Luke says he's not a slob anymore, speaking of cleanliness, uh, but then immediately says that Carrie would probably disagree. <laughs> well, it's all a matter yeah, of degree. she's the one. Yeah, she's probably doing a lot more housework than he uh, is. And uh, Google wasn't falling down on their GIF GIF game uh, by producing... Oh, it was uh, Apple's oh, right, iMessage. Apple. Of course. Uh, yeah. Bringing dirty results way too high in the rankings for GIFs. <laughs> <laughs> Did no one test this? Or maybe that was its intended it purpose. It was the uh, same people who launched Apple Maps just moved over to right. a new division. <laughs> Uh, and an email. Uh, we get a uh, an email from a listener whose father was in a wheelchair. Yes. I think that's the scenario. Mm-hmm. Uh, and was a guilt trip badass with people who parked in handicapped spots without a placard. Um, blocking their doors to make Love them it. explain themselves when they come back to their cars. Uh, and that is amazing. Because if you actually have to stop your your accessorized vehicle to accommodate a wheelchair right behind their car. That is a scenario mm-hmm. in which no one can get mad at you. Right. Nope. Well played, sir. Uh, and uh, an email about people wiring nine volts into stompers, which sounds like the kind of thing I would have done to make them run <laughs> extra fast until they start melting and smelling like burning plastic. <laughs> <sighs> All right, let's go to Friday. 2209 Dead Podcast Society. And this is the, uh, starts with the postmortem on the, um, School of Visual Concepts talk, which I had been thinking, and thank God Luke pointed out that this was a very strange place to give a talk about podcasting. <laughs> they didn't do a lot of prep because, as we mentioned before, Andrew assumed Luke would be leading and Luke said that Andrew would be leading. But it was clear that Andrew had done a hell of a lot more preparation than Luke did for the whole thing. I mean, he had slides mm-hmm. and he was worried about whether Luke would show up. Not that, you know, he would get drunk and just not be there, but it, he would have traffic or if something happened, would he have a backup plan? So he had that whole uh, panic attack slash anxiety attack, however we want to characterize it, where he was thinking about how he would handle it. And he says that he is feeling a lot better about public experiences from when he started on TBTL. He talks about the Evo appearance that they did back in the day and how he was so nervous. And that was just hanging out with some tens. And, and he felt much less stressed for this. So, um, that's some positive, positive growth. I like it. So uh, with that, they kind of, uh, well, they don't kind of, they replay the, the talk that they gave on starting a podcast and what you do. And so I thought that rather than just straight recapping it, we should go through the points that they made and give ourselves a grade and see how well uh, we have started a podcast and how well we're following uh, Andrew and Luke's uh, tips and tricks for being successful podcasters. And I don't know how we want to grade this. Do we want to do it like um, outstanding, satisfactory, needs improvement? <laughs> so sure. this is like our own little thrive situation. Yes. Thrive assessment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Um, uh, let's see. First, a couple of notes. They talk about what's the goal? Why are you starting a podcast? Is this for fun? Is this for some sort of business engagement? Is this for money? And then they're both like, no, do not do this for money. <laughs> um, and, and it, I thought it was interesting that Andrew seemed to really try to gear it a little bit for business purposes, while Luke talked about it very much on personal terms. So maybe that's more Andrew following the brief of the class and being prepared. But they talk <laughs> about being realistic about what you can achieve and the whole idea of narrow casting. So how do we do on the narrow casting? I don't know that it could get much more narrow. Yeah, I'd say outstanding. <laughs> than a podcast about a podcast. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Uh, when they get into the meat of things, uh, number one, be genuine and have a personality and display your personality. I think I think we're doing mm. okay there. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. This is – I always think back to Luke's Bryant Park Project days and talking about his moment where somebody asked him, but what about the Kenny Chesney fans? Right. <laughs> We can't alienate them. Right. And based on our Trump conversation earlier in this episode, I think we're very good about not worrying about being even. Like people are going to like mm -hmm. us or not and, and we're not going to we're not going to boil ourselves down to milk toast uh, and cut out all of our personality to not chase people away, which, you know, I want to say is is one of the things I love about TBTL, too. And this has come up in the last couple of weeks. Um, we didn't. It was in the notes. We didn't address it directly, but way back on Monday's show, um, there was a conversation about the dumpster fire that was opinions about football talk on TVTL. And mm -hmm. uh, one relatively vocal and obnoxious, now former listener of TVTL, made a pretty big stink uh, and then decided declaratively, like telling everyone he's leaving Facebook, which is always amusing to me, uh, mm -hmm. that he's quitting TVTL. And... Um, I'm so happy for him because if yeah. he doesn't like it and it's always going to upset him, great. Go listen to thousands of other podcasts. Um, it would really crush my soul if Luke and Andrew weren't themselves to this for the sake of keeping listeners who didn't like their personalities. So I, I think they're right. very good about that. And um, I think we're pretty good about that, too. Yeah, like. If you have a problem with me calling Donald Trump an enlarged, pea-splattered snow cone, then you can just go listen to something else. It's not going to hurt my feelings. Precisely. <laughs> All right. Next point. Be regular. Not in the bathroom sense, but get people in the habit of listening to the show. So release on a regular schedule and stick to that schedule. We are good about that. We we we've are been, good about that. We're getting full marks so we've far, been you very guys. Strict about that. In fact, when we moved yeah. the Saturday show to Fridays, um, it was because we realized we could scheduling wise, and and ever since the very beginning, this is something that. Uh, well, I mean, we all know this was Christy's brainchild. She's the one who mm -hmm. wanted to make this happen, and then she brought in Mike, and then Mike tricked the rest of us into whitewashing his pod fence, mm -hmm. and. Uh, that that was a, I think we have, even on the one time that an episode was lost because of terrible audio situations, we got something out. And that was to the credit of Christy and Jeremy, who just pounded out mm -hmm. content. And the guys made a point about this. Even if you have to come on and just say, we don't have anything, come on and mm -hmm. say something so that it's not like, oh, they just disappeared. 
I love the podcast Reply All, uh, of which TVTL is a shittier version. I think that comes up at some point this week. <laughs> yes. Um, but I hate that they take weeks off. And, and they say that, too. They'll say, oh, we're taking next week off to work on uh, projects. We'll be back in two weeks. Don't do that. Just put up a rerun. Just just yeah, put up uh-huh. a rerun and say at the top of that episode, hey, we're working on projects this week. Here's a favorite from our archive. And if I don't want to listen to it, that's fine. But I don't want to sit there and wait and lose track of it. Um you know, I would rather – plus, I would think their sponsors would want them to put something out on those off weeks. Um, sure. People who buy advertising want you to be consistent. Yes. If only we had that problem. <laughs> someday, Bobby, someday. I can't imagine who would uh, advertise with us, but there has to be somebody uh, out there. Yeah. Uh, Hillary Clinton's campaign, maybe. Mm. <laughs> Maybe some pest control services in Texas. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, next point, be able to give an elevator pitch about your show. Yeah, needs improvement. Hmm. Well, we're a podcast about a podcast. Okay, that leaves it kind of general. <laughs> you'd have to, the problem with that is you'd have to be able to explain TBTL in an elevator pitch, which is impossible. Mm-hmm. Right. Although Jen, Jen summed it up pretty yeah, well, Yeah, she right? gave us a quote that I keep at the top of the run sheets now. The podcast that inspires community, joy, and a bit of outrage. Uh, but it still doesn't yeah. really get to the heart of what it is. No. Pop culture radio show turned two guys navel-gazing, but not in the way that you denigrate most new podcasts about two guys navel-gazing. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was kind of interesting. I forget exactly what the context during the discussion of this was, but Luke came up with this example of of a Boeing podcast and being in the wings division and how you could have a plan of interviewing <laughs> one employee from the division each week and talk about how great the company is and how much it's impacted the community. And I thought, huh, that sounds familiar. <laughs> uh, it also sounds terrible, so hopefully not too familiar. Um, yeah, he wasn't raising that as a positive right. example. I think ours, you know, our situation's a little bit different uh, because we get to revel in history. Um, right. right. So this actually reminded me, there is a podcast in my feed called Creative Minds Out Loud. I assumed that they ripped their name off of Christy and Jeremy's show. And right. it is a podcast uh, created by... Um, the Massachusetts Cultural Council, which is the body that distributes arts funding in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. And they are an example of everything that is wrong with a podcast. Um, It is the executive director of the organization leading a conversation with different uh, creative minds, quote unquote, executives of other arts groups, funders, uh, philanthropy people. Um, The episodes don't have any segments. So it's just a a winding conversation, often aimless. Uh, They do not have a steady release schedule. You can tell from the things they talk about that they record like months before they come out sometimes. Oh. Um, Hmm. And it's just so bland. And I love the idea of Mass Cultural Council having a podcast to help explain to people what they are and what they do and to just share Mm -hmm. the personalities of it. But they're looking at it as a corporate thing. Everyone is them talking about how great they are and... And some topic that somebody wants to promote, uh, but there's no soul. <laughs> and I just listened to the last episode this morning, and it was just so painful. And I'm trying to keep tabs on it because they give us money for my day job. 
<laughs> and I like the uh, idea of them having more communication, but it, it's all of these things that they warn against with sort of business minded podcasting. It's just mm-hmm. awful. Uh, next bullet point is chemistry. You should have chemistry with your co-hosts. Hmm. Yes. Well, I, th- I think we're huh? friends. I think that shows. <laughs> Ms. Lundholm, Ms. Mahan, it's a yes. pleasure working with you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think we luck out in that we share the yeah. sensibility of being tens nerdy enough to want to do this. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yep. I mean, I only slept in Meredith's house and uh, have eaten your various baked goods, and, and <laughs> you know, we're all right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, they talk about social media and the effective use of social media. So you have to have email, email, a Facebook group, not a page would be best. Uh, Whoops. Twitter. Well, yeah. can't win them all. <laughs> and they say, don't just use social media for self-promotion because that's boring. Yeah. Yeah, that is boring. Um, we're a little thin there, but I think it's because we all participate independently so much in the Stens page. So, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, I think we we sort of speak with two hats, our own and LRBs, when we're doing that stuff. There's no sense to build yep. a new group when we have that group already up and humming and lighting dumpster fires. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Your one-stop shop for dumpster fires. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, speaking of uh, shopping, did we all get our equipment at Guitar Center? <laughs> <laughs> no, because we have no. Amazon. <laughs> Amazon. <laughs> so he, uh, they say that all you need is a decent computer that has GarageBand or Audacity, which we do, some sort of USB microphone, an internet connection like Skype or IPBTD. I don't know if I got it's the letters in the right order. IPTTL, which does Whatever. not work we have for looked us. Into, but <laughs> yeah, you can only use up to two people at a time on it or else we'd be all over it. Uh, or you can have a handheld digital recorder. And the big point that Luke makes from this is don't let your technology be a barrier. Don't be afraid. Just use what you have. And technology is such these days that you can probably achieve a pretty good project product uh, with the basics from Guitar Center. Yeah, or less. I mean, I've seen Phyllis Fletcher attack people with her iPhone for for interview <laughs> tape and do a great job with it. Yep. <laughs> Uh, so those are the main uh, points that they made and uh, the fact that they weren't really, I mean, they were prepared enough, but I think that they should maybe have um, gone through it together before they gave the presentation because they were sort of constantly ahead of the slides. Like right. Andrew would advance the slides and be like, oh, well, we already kind of covered this. Let's go to the next one. And that uh, wrapped up the presentation. They had some time for questions, which I won't go into detail on the questions. Um, but the one thing that I, really interested me is why were there no women that asked questions? And I like, I know Naomi Hilliard went to the, the talk and Naomi's been on the show and she's great and she has a podcast. Oh, I meant to mention in the chemistry uh, section, uh, Naomi and Jordan on their podcast, The Sunday Morning Experience, they have great chemistry. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's the fact that they're married, but it's good. Um, they have great chemistry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's really great. But Naomi, you were there. So would you let us know, was it a, 
what was the male to female ratio? Was the fact that it was only male question askers because there were so many more men there? Or was it that the women didn't push to ask questions? I'd be interested to know that. Maybe they just didn't want to be mansplained too. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> and then a couple of other tidbits. We found out that after these messages gets around 2,000 downloads per episode. Bastards. And <laughs> we can get there, Bobby. And Andrew can read waveforms for specific words. And that I thought was pretty impressive. Yeah. Uh, I know what my ums look like. Yeah, you can kind of get a sense of where there's a spot you need to focus in on, but I don't recognize specific Especially words. for me, because it'll be a pause, followed by an um, and then the start of a sentence. <laughs> <laughs> Do you cut those out? Um, that one, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm already tightening up the show, uh, because it needs to be for other reasons, then I might take them out for the sake of cleaning up open sound time mm -hmm. and i am a little self-conscious about how much i say um i don't know why i do it so much but i do as listeners of this show i'm sure know it depends on the week um like right there god damn it uh i try not to too much the guys make a point <laughs> that they don't listen back to the show when they edit and we have to more than they do just because we often do a tape sync not to get too deep into tech talk, uh, tech talk but ipdtl is really nice because it spits out one mixed file of both your tracks. We use a system that's supposed to do that, but doesn't do it well. So we tend to sync our backups. That's called a, a tape sync or a double ender. If you're really into it. Um, and so I like to make sure that everything's lined up correctly. And so I usually end up spot checking a little bit more. And if I have time to kill like this afternoon, since the bills already lost this week, taping on a Sunday morning, I'll probably just let the whole thing play while I'm doing housework and if I catch weird spots, I'll tighten them up. And so if there's a lot of umming or something, I might clean them up. But yeah, I um more in real life than I do on the show for that reason. Yeah, I I do. I mean, on the few episodes that I've edited, I do go through and clean up the ums and the pauses. And if two of us start talking over one another, if it makes sense that I can cut one of us out, I, I definitely do that. But that mm -hmm. actually takes a long mm -hmm. time to do that kind of editing. And I always think, God, if only I had one more day, if I had a full day to do this, <laughs> I could really make this sound good. I think we have to balance quality and time investment. The show is like, Ooh, that was one of the questions. Yep. Um, yeah. And that's really important. You could spend days and days and days polishing it, but honestly, if it sounds too polished, it sounds really unnaturally creepy when you listen to it. <laughs> You know, mm -hmm. live radio is never going to sound like that. People are going to talk over one another once in a while. And once in a while, you're going to have a caller who is in a loud room or has some fuzz on the line. And so when we have guests, especially, and that'll happen more often because they didn't go to Guitar Center like we all did, um, <laughs> you just sort of make the best of it and understand that that's what it is. It needs to sound really good. That helps yep. uh, keep your listeners. But I don't want to spend days cutting out every um so maybe I won't cut any out this episode. Yeah. And now that I've said that, I won't feel bad about it. Well, we're not trying to make Radio Lab. Right. Which I can't listen to for that reason. I'll catch bits and pieces of Radio yep. Lab, but it's just too intensive. Like, even if I'm just driving yeah. and it comes on, I don't want to be driving while I listen to it because I want to focus on it. Uh, there were a couple other notes, actually, I wanted to jump into from this. Uh, Luke references uh, a blog post essay called 1,000 True Fans, 
this philosophy about narrow casting, where as long as you have a thousand patrons who are willing to give you around a hundred dollars a year, you can be sustainable as a solo artist. That's a blog post originally written by a guy named Kevin Kelly. He's, uh, I think one of the founding editors of wired and I found that post and read it. So I'll put it in the show notes. Now it's actually really interesting. And there's been a lot of people who've written their thoughts on it and responses to it and broken it down based on different artists and fields. I don't know that I don't think it addresses podcasting directly at all, but it's an interesting analogy to podcasting and art because in the olden days, and I work with people who think it should still be this way. Artists had one patron mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you could do that and you could have an angel donor or just a rich person sponsor you to do your thing. And we just don't live in that world anymore. So the thought of having a thousand people, it's in a creepy way. It's like the 700 club. Which that's how the 700 Club was started, was it was 700 people who gave a certain amount of money. And that's how right. you got into the club. Uh, and it has since spawned into the monster that it is. But um, it's an interesting read. And so I'll put it in the notes. And only one Music Fear Weekend. Oh, yeah. I think they've... The, uh, was that even... They forgot about Music Fear Weekend. Was that even weekend. an official? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought that that was just the end it of the is. show music. Uh, the Chiffons Teach Me How. Cute choice. Mm-hmm. Um, anyone else have thoughts on Friday? Nope. We did get the recount of Luke's dark days with that day in San Diego in the <laughs> hotel room. Oh, yeah. Yes. He says that was better than no show. I'm not sure. It does. Yeah. I guess it gave a good story. That's one where I would have said any rerun. And especially with Tito being so old, it's so easy to just say, whatever, how many years ago today, this was the episode, go. Yeah. And even we've done that. We did that last Christmas, a look back, Yula, at some of our favorite episodes. I'm (laughs) sure we'll do it again. Uh, Mm -hmm. Because we've made a lot of great content. It's worth another listen. I I feel like TBTL should be the same way. Uh, but let's move on to some housekeeping. I already mentioned ways to get us out of some jams. You can donate any amount, although it seems that everyone has found an amount they like at littleredbandwagon.com. Um, archiving, archive current episodes with us. Shoot us an email about that. Uh, next week, I'll do more of what you bought on Amazon. Um, I haven't had a chance to pull the new list this week, so keep it up. We are keeping an eye on that. Someone commented on our Facebook page yesterday asking for the link and said that she bought something and then also bought an old TBTL favorite item just for us. So it would make it on the list. So I'm really excited to see what that is. Yeah. Uh, but the important. Yeah. Thanks, Sarah. Yeah. The important part of Best of Western Washington uh, is Best of Western Washington. Uh, last year, we came in fifth for best podcast in Western Washington in the rankings of Best of Western <laughs> Washington. Not best podcast about a podcast, right. but right. best podcast. Based on the people above us on that list, I'm pretty sure we came in first in best podcast about a podcast in Western Washington. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, the point is, polls are opening tomorrow for voting. And by tomorrow, when you hear this, I mean today, September 19th at 10 a.m., you can vote for the best podcast and many other things of Western Washington. Uh, Luke and Andrew have, in the last couple of years, released desire on this hunt for best podcast. We have not. So please <laughs> Google best of Western Washington or go to king5.com and find best of Western Washington and vote for Little Red Bandwagon. We've already been nominated. We'll be there on the list. Should be easy enough to find. Vote early and vote often. Christy tells me it's easier this year than it was last year to vote. There's less signing up involved. So 
Go to town, guys. Make us proud. Get us up there. <laughs> There's a party for the top fives of all the categories, and Christy really wants to go. So let's get her there. <laughs> Maybe what we need is a nemesis. Remember those years when Luke hated that other podcast with the guys <laughs> yeah. that said mean things about him? <laughs> and it was his mission to just crush them. We just need somebody that we have to get That's against. Right. Stack of dimes. We're looking at you. <laughs> Grapes of rad. <laughs> Uh, the one other wrinkle about all of this uh, Best of Western Washington as uh, curated by King 5 has hired a new company to manage their voting this year and the company that handled it in past years out of spite is also running a Best of Seattle area type <laughs> contest this year they essentially just refreshed their platform from last year and took King 5's name off it so you will probably see that there are two different best of contests going right now. Uh, we discussed this as great as it would be to win both. If we're going to have to win one, we want it to be the King five legit one. So King five best of Western Washington. That's the one with the party. Go vote. And with that, who wants to tell us how to get involved? And I'm not, I'm not cutting this question out either this time. <laughs> All right. <laughs> If you want to get involved with the show, you can visit our website at littleredbandwagon.com. You can visit us on Facebook, the Stens page, or our own page. Our show Twitter is at LRB Podcast. You can email us at littleredbandwagon at gmail.com. You can send us a voicemail or a text at 802-432-TBTL. That's 802-432-8285. And there is a new episode of Nerd Out Loud Up. Um, that you should go listen to. It's called Taking a Knee, Burning Man, and Katrina's Corner. It's a great yeah. one. Um, glad to see that their new format's working out for them. Yes. And with that, Anne, why don't you get us out of here? Until next time, this is the next party. We love you, Chad. Nailed it. I've been looking at you through the bathroom window.